This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown! This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back. You're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, NFL Sunday Ticket, and DoorDash. A really fun set of shows coming up for you here in the next two editions. We did have the episode that dropped earlier this week, the Bull Prediction Show with Peter Overzet. A lot of fun in there. Some good uh, predictions for this week and for the rest of the season in general. Uh, myself, Sean, and Peter giving our thoughts on that one peter will be on today's show as well as we uh, some of you may have caught some of this information already on twitter we did this as a live stream with the guys over there at ship chasing as we try to draft our fbg roster to try and bring down the entire tournament bring down the five hundred thousand dollar grand prize it was myself sean peter overzet and pat corain uh, lots of fun discussion on this one we're going to split the draft in two we'll have one coming out today one coming out tomorrow do uh, make sure you check out both of them lots of good conversation and um, lots of good picks and uh, you know a really really fun time we had doing the draft i hope you're going to have a good time listening to the draft and let us know if you agree with our selections if you disagree with our selections i know i um posted the final draft board on twitter and there was a lot of disagreement as tends to be when you draft a team that uh, doesn't have six running backs in the first six rounds when it comes to fantasy twitter at the moment but uh, really happy with how the lineup came true and hopefully you're going to enjoy uh, the the show and the lineup um let's see let's see what happens so before we get into it, I just want to let you know, as always, you can get yourself that 10% discount to Rotoviz NFL Pass. You can get that by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by entering the code 2020 RV Radio at checkout. It really is as simple as that. Get yourself that advantage as you head into the 2020 season. As I mentioned as well, our guests on this episode are from the ship chasing team. It is Peter Overzet, who you can find on Twitter at Peter Overzet, and Pat Crane of Establish a Run. You can find him on Twitter at Pat Crane. I always love when Twitter handles are as simple as the name itself. It makes it makes it a lot easier to remember them. But check out both guys. Fantastic work they do. Uh, lots of good content on those Twitter feeds. And of course, that'll get you all the links to their latest content as well. So follow both the guys. But with all that said, let's jump straight into it. Let's get into the draft. We are ready to roll. We just can't quit drafting season. So a little afternoon delight for everyone. We have hopped in one of the final Fantasy Players Championship contests here. We got the draft board up. We got the 104 slot. How are we doing, fellas? Doing good. Looking forward to uh, having a fun draft here. And the argument for the fourth pick, we got we to gotta get Pat on board with going dalvin cook and setting us up for ronald jones in round 11 look look at the way he tried to grease the wheels there <laughs> yeah for, uh, uh, i'll bring up i'll bring up ronald jones before round 11 sean but uh <laughs> we 
<laughs> we just we just recorded a podcast. Pat Pat might know the behind the scenes information on this one, uh, where Sean made a, a very good pitch um, for Dalvin Cook at that fourth spot. So, um, any any arguments against that, or have you anything in in mind at number four? Uh, my preference at number four is Alvin Kamara, uh, but Pete and I have Alvin Kamara from the number four spot in our main event team. We also have him in other football guys team. So, if you if there's consensus around Cook over Kamara. Uh, I won't. I won't fight back too hard there. I just the contract situation scares me with Cook, and it looks like it's going to get resolved with Camara. So, I guess there's no concern there for you guys with how it, there's like a breakdown between him and the team over the course of the season. Go for I it. I think Sean. at this point, it's, yeah, go shot. I, I don't have any any extra insight. It seems like with both of these guys, there's a little bit of uh, frustration there, and uh, I, I think that for me, it's that we also have Camara in our main event. So with both of us having <laughs> that main event exposure is kind of fun to go in a little different direction. Let's yeah. And that, that would be the reason for me to, to go cook too, is that we have plenty of Camara. Yeah. And okay. I was telling them how we have kind um, all right. I'm going to draft us Dalvin cook here. Um, I done already. <laughs> okay, cool. Just making sure I didn't want us to get timed out. Um, that would be an epic timeout here early in the, uh, in the first round. Uh, but yeah, I was telling, telling those guys earlier that we kind of, from this draft slot over the course of the off season, you know, basically broke ties based on wherever the current contract or injury status was, you know, early on in the off season, we didn't want to be stuck uh, with a Dalvin cook dead team there when we could have had Kamara. And uh, yeah, as we get closer to the season, I think the Alvin Kamara, just a little bit of concern about maybe his back could also kind of offset maybe the cook kind of question marks as well. So I, I still think it's really close. Yeah, that's a good point on his back. Um, I know John Paulson's also concerned about Cook's shoulder, uh, potential reoccurrence of that injury. So they're they're pretty similar, both in the the red flags and also um, the fact that they could be absolute workhorses with huge pass catching roles. So, Sean, did you see this uh, this news for the uh, DeAndre Hopkins uh, new contract? Yeah, just seeing that, and I think exciting to to think that he will be there. I've been more optimistic about him. Uh, we had to really fight Ben on this idea of drafting him even in the second round with the way this offense is going to break down. I'd be interested to hear what people think in terms of how that volume is going to be split if the Cardinals are going to have enough total volume to create multiple wide receiver ones for, for this passing offense. Yeah, yeah, one of the most polarizing players in fantasy right now, where I think you have really sharp people that are all over him and really sharp people that have want nothing to do with him. So, interesting. And to me, you know, say if we were in a more wide receiver crazed landscape, you know, and, and DeAndre Hopkins was going, you know, at the end of the first round, you know, after Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams, I think you could maybe make a case that you might be drafting him close to a ceiling. But when we see these running backs go – in the second round and start to push DeAndre Hopkins to the back end of the second round, like we see over and over to me, it's, it's almost like all that risk there uh, is baked in the kind of macro trend stuff of him changing teams and, and all of that stuff. So I still see a lot of upside meat on the bone when you're getting him at the end of the second round. And obviously there's concern when a player moves teams, you know, especially at the wide receiver position, but like, I, I can't really see a situation where it's, like his return on value is less than you know the fifth or sixth best wide receiver 
receiver in the NFL. Like he's probably like Michael Thomas is probably going to get there in volume, but as an actual wide receiver and a pass catcher, like Hopkins is probably the best wide receiver in the NFL. And to be getting him at that value seems kind of crazy. Um, I think as well, we'll see maybe even in this draft, I think that contract will probably change people's minds, even though it probably shouldn't in redraft, but in dynasty it, it will as well. But I, I think that the the talents there and i think like sean's been very positive on this offense all off season and kind of the question i think he was leaning towards to see if we thought that uh christian kirk could also be a, a wide receiver one on this this team but uh like i think the this offense is going to take a major jump forward in 2020 and i, I think part of the reason for that's going to be going to be uh, hopkins let's check in on a couple quick questions here from the chat is this a football guys championship yep it is. It's getting close to filling. So if you do want to play, definitely hop in there soon. We got our guy Harbs asking, do we have Sean's official take on Ron Jones after the Fournette pickup? Uh, I know the official take is uh, within the update to the zero RB candidates, but I'll let Sean spill uh, whatever he'd like here. Yeah. So in the in the update, most of the guys that we're looking to target are players who have generated some positive news over the last week to two weeks and are now moving into that category where I feel a little more confident targeting them in the double digit rounds uh, this year, maybe even a little bit trickier than usual, knowing who you want to target in that 11, 12, 13, 14 round range, because we're, we're not getting the preseason games. We're not getting some of that. Jones was sort of the opposite situation. And it's interesting. Now you, you see the blurbs coming out about Fournette having a big role or a solid role in week one. So we continue to see negative news, I think for Ronald Jones, I was not as, I will say, gutsy as Pat in terms of taking our favorite guy in round five because Arians really seemed to target that or show off that he wanted a different guy with the Vaughn selection, with them talking about how they really wanted Devontae Freeman if he would just sign a reasonable contract. This development with Fournette, disappointing, but maybe not out of the blue I like Jones now at his new ADP. Certainly if he falls below even where he's going, then I think the situation is that, that he becomes a guy who now fits very well for zero running back teams. I mentioned in the article that we have a, a couple of positive things. One, uh, that Jones is good. Two, that Leonard Fournette is, is not a good NFL football player. And I think the Buccaneers are going to discover that. And then the other thing is that he's got a little bit of, uh, say, a Royal Tenenbaum problem where we'll see how long you know he can really go and continue to be someone his coaches and teammates are, are comfortable with in this new environment. So I think Jones becomes a real target here. But, but again, you have to know that the Buccaneers, in all likelihood, actually have Fournette now uh, sort of as – the guy they want to be the lead back weeks four, five, six. My thought would be that Jones is going to take that back over once we head toward the fantasy playoffs because he's simply the better guy. Yeah, I I watched the press conference that those blurbs were alluding to. Uh, had to go to the source, and I, I would say they were both overly bearish for Jones and also maybe in a weird way underly bearish for him as well. Like the week one question. He was sort of pushing back. Arians was sort of pushing back on the idea that Fournette would have that big of a role. But he also mentioned like that until someone asked him about uh, teams game planning for Fournette. And he goes, until his role really expands, I wouldn't imagine they'd really be game planning for him at all. They're just game planning for our run game, which, you know, I, there was hints. There are several hints throughout the press conference that, like Sean's saying, they do envision that this guy will eventually take over from Jones. But we get a chance here with Jones' new ADP 
to bet on the talent uh, at, at a price that doesn't reflect the upside that if Jones takes this job. And that's why, in general, again, we, we talk about the price sensitivity and why those running backs in the fourth and fifth round, uh, and as Jones had started to inch up there at points. Actually, let's uh, let's regroup here and uh, talk about this pick as uh, we have Julio, Eckler, um, and then who else just went? Um, yeah, Kenyon Drake went as well. So we have um, some interesting options here. Does anyone want to toss out a name? I'll toss out a name in that. And I, I don't know if you guys will be into this or not, but my preferred guy here is Andrews. I think he offers something that uh, in terms of ceiling that Ertz doesn't and that they're, the wide receiver uh, tier available in round three is so good that I don't mind um, kind of getting whoever the market leaves for us there. But I know there's a preference. There's arguments here for Hopkins. There's arguments here for Aaron Jones. I think given the, the latest news, there's even maybe arguments for – James Connor. So I'm open to what you guys are thinking. Yeah, those were the the three Hopkins, Jones, and uh, Andrews were the three that I had. Um, we had a very similar conversation, Sean, when we got to this point between Hopkins and Andrews and the uh, main event draft. Um, so, so Aaron Aaron Jones goes. Uh, go for it, Sean. Jones and Eckler are probably the two running backs that I would have been okay with here. And I think the, the interesting question for me is: Would we have any interest? We've obviously done a, a hardcore zero RB draft. We've done some single elite running back drafts. Would we have any interest in Jonathan Taylor coming back in round three? And does that make any difference to who we would pick here? Well, I think I, it's Hopkins or Andrews probably, but we have 25 seconds left. <laughs> I'm not that interested in Taylor in round three because the wide receivers are so strong. The I definitely like the builds with the elite tight end the most. My vote would be Mark Andrews, knowing that there's a chance we could still get a Hopkins or Godwin coming back. That sounds good. I took the shot there on Andrews, just I thought that was the way we were leaning. So uh, Andrews is off the board. I think that, uh, like you're saying, getting that tight end, particularly in this format, uh, makes sense at this point. You know, it kind of gives you freedom in those middle round ranges then of where you want to go to set that team up. So I'm I'm happy with him there. When when we're looking, I guess, at coming back now in in round uh, three, um, who are some of the candidates you're looking for there? Because Hopkins obviously just went that next pick. Sean, why don't you talk through the um, the Jonathan Taylor thing structurally? Probably mm-hmm. not a guy you've been drafting. Is that kind of um, just a portfolio thing of making sure you have a share of him, just knowing that he has that potential to be a league winner down the stretch? Yeah, and, and you listen to some of the practice things that they're doing. They're throwing the ball to him, even though he is dropping some passes. They're throwing the ball to him, even though they have Hines, they have Mac there. If he catches any passes, I mean, he's on the way to having a monster season. Probably not quite like what Barkley did, but I think that we could look back on him and, and he would be the guy actually that might have been the sort of hidden or stealth first rounder. And in terms of the portfolio, I think he's an interesting guy. I don't have him a lot. Uh, you guys talked a little bit. I wrote an article for the site talking about how, especially in FFPC, with the way that the drafts tend to fall out, there is a way to go running back, running back, or running back, running back with an elite tight end mixed in there. And then you can still do some of your wide receiver strategy later on. Because of some of the drafts that I already have, it's interesting to me to attempt something like that uh, just to balance some things out. I mean, I'm not going to end up having 30, 40 leagues this year. And so within the ones that I'm doing, it's, it's interesting to kind of look at that. Taylor's the guy that I have a ton in Dynasty. I think he's going to be huge. I agree with what Pat's saying and that the wide receivers here are so good that to take sort of a, a big risk-taking move probably doesn't set us with, up with the top overall 
team, especially because there are some great running backs late, which obviously that's what zero running back is about. Yeah, so it does look like, um, depending on what happens here, we might have our choice of a couple bucks wide receivers. Uh, Kenny Galladay's always in this mix, and then it does sound uh, also DJ Moore is a guy we've taken in this DJ range. Moore, yeah, um, yeah Colin, where where are you leaning here? I think, well, I'm not against the, the running back pick here if it was Taylor, um, but I think I, I would be leaning towards DJ Moore um, if he if he makes it to that point. I just think that the, the upside, we talked about it on uh, the podcast we just recorded, I think that you know he, he's in for a massive season this year and we've seen him break out, but I think he's going to take that step forward again. So um, we so do we have are, that option now. Mm-hmm. We are on the clock here, uh, Ertz and Godwin go. So it looks like we're down to basically Evans, DJ Moore, and Jonathan Taylor as our options if someone wants to to make a, a strong case. DJ Moore would be my preferred pick here. Um, this is looking pretty similar to our main event start with subbing in Cook for uh, for Camara. <laughs> but, um, so, so it's definitely guys that we have already planted our flag on to some extent. But more, I do think, has a chance to take a huge step forward in a Panthers passing attack that I think uh, could be a bit revived under this new offensive regime. Sean, you want to go uh, more or Taylor here? Uh, more sounds like he's the guy and, and really love him in this range. It was kind of uh, fun. Pat had sort of alluded to the main events. I had shared our Rotoviz overtime main event with Pat and Pete. Uh, recently and they immediately got back to me showing me one of their earlier main events that was basically the identical team through eight rounds we had like one player that we were off or we had taken uh the guy who i think probably will be the fourth round pick instead of dj chark then we would have had the exact same drafts and and kind of looking forward to facing off one two with maybe our <laughs> crazy quarterback decisions more like kicker and defense there in, in week 16 of the of the main event for the overall title but yeah dj Moore in this range with what the panthers are going to do i think that they're a team that has a very wide range of potential outcomes for 2020 maybe hamstrung a little bit by not having a preseason not having some of the things we would normally have but this panthers team is going to be a lot of fun to, to follow this season You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy, all you have to do is open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. And right now, Rotovis listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and simply enter the code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's the code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL. And with NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE. 
our pal Kevin is talking about a hypothetical 2v2 of Hopkins, Ertz, Ertz, Andrews, Moore. Um, I think you could definitely have that conversation. However, Ertz isn't guaranteed to come back, um, and that's what would have happened. And I think that's why Mark Andrews was the pick there, knowing that you could miss out on both of those tight ends if you don't grab one there. So I, I like the idea of taking your preferred one. And then because I think we all view you know, Hopkins, Godwin, Moore, even Evans – um, as kind of more of a similar tier, you just lock up that position. But do you guys have a thought on that 2v2 in, in a vacuum? And if I, I would really like uh, to have Ertz situation there, just with what Ertz's volume looks like, I think he's a little bit sort of, for someone who's so good, he's a little bit undervalued in terms of a, a reality player, just the, the type of talent that he is. I think that efficiency has a chance to bounce back. You give him some efficiency that's a little bit closer to what we see from guys like Kelsey, Andrews Kittle and suddenly Ertz is, is someone where you know you, you might have considered him at the one two turn like we have with Ertz and Kittle yeah we have some interesting builds here to start the team out of the one hole uh I I swear every time out of the one hole that the team can't resist grabbing the elite quarterback I think psychologically it's like I get the best running back and I get the best quarterback I see that so many times uh team six starts with three uh very nice running backs there and team seven uh working on a true zero RB build so lots of interesting uh builds here in the mix you, you always speak too soon on these these guys who go wide receiver heavy early because he's coming back with like five straight running backs. I'm telling yeah. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see. Maybe he pieced together some sleuthing, uh, realized uh, who he's competing against here and just wanted to do a tribute, a zero RB tribute. I'd like to see it. There's a, there's another three running back start there. Um, Sean, did you do any other drafts over the weekend? No, I was getting ready, getting set up for this one. Uh, Curtis Patrick and I have a main event that we have coming up that we're preparing for. We're going to actually draft after the Thursday night game, which gives a little bit of variety. Uh, in these drafts before the Thursday night game, we obviously have the strategy that we have to consider with the options. And if we want to take some of those guys who could give us some options after that Thursday night game, you see some of the really crazy changes and perhaps that presents some opportunities too. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, and that reminds me just some housekeeping stuff for ship chasing. We will uh, have our regular Wednesday night show. We'll do a live stream. Uh, we can talk some more waiver stuff. We're going to do kind of a portfolio review of the teams we've drafted. And then on Friday night, I received a DM from uh, someone you guys might recognize on Twitter named Crack Rock. He is a high-volume FFPC player, and he wanted to draft with, with Pat and I and do a live stream. So we're going to hop in a main event draft with him on Friday night. And uh, he definitely approaches drafts uh, much differently than us. So that'll be a very fun oil and water uh, kind of situation as we, we navigate that. So that's the ship chasing schedule for the week. Um, let's see here. Um, someone's liking a, a team 12, depending on what they do here at the turn. Uh, this is a good question from David, uh, for people who aren't familiar with how the FFPC main events work. Um, and for the ones you draft after those points are, are bankable. So, um, if Will Fuller say goes off for one of those 50 point games, you know, Will Fuller could go as early as what? 104 105 or something like if he goes for he goes 50, 50 he'll go like 105 yeah so people will make very aggressive moves based on that and uh sean i know you and blair in the team you guys drafted you were kind of purposefully loading up on some of those texans and chiefs just for that very idea of knowing that you could start those bankable points 
we did. If, if McCall Hardman manages to uh, see the field at all and get two or three targets, if he can take both of those 80 yards, then uh, we're hoping to have Hardman, Fuller, basically play none of our top three or four round picks in week one. So we may have, have done a little bit too much of that, but we definitely had some of those guys. Colin, what do you think in terms of Will Fuller for this draft and, and how high is he likely to go if he has just more of a normal game? Well, I, I love Will Fuller. I've been no secret of that in terms of like when he can play, he's amazing. But the problem is like you asked, uh, where would he be after Thursday night football? It could depend on how his hamstrings hold up on Thursday night. You know, it could be as quick as that the season could be done. But uh, I think that um, like with Hopkins moved on, obviously they've taken in Cobb and they've taken in Cook. I think he's clearly the, the number one wide receiver on this offense. And um i'm very excited to see what he can do this year in particular getting those extra targets but the problem with him has always just been health um at his current adp i'm very happy to take him there you know we've looked at about you know the possibility of that kind of fifth year breakout for him um we like he's kind of one of those players that you would almost think because of the big games that he's had that he has broken out a number of times but the problem is that that's been done over a very limited game sample size so uh, you know, if we if we get to the point here where we have an opportunity to draft him, I'm I'm still very happy to take him. He's lined up on a high percentage of my dynasty roster, so it kind of tempers my expectations then for the redraft leagues as well to have too much exposure. But a player that I, I really like, and you mentioned McCall Hardman, like it's, he's one of those players like a Tyreek Hill, you know, that can have that upside. Um, and Fuller Fuller definitely presents that, where those monster weeks are are definitely something that we can factor in a couple of times a season. Pat, I couldn't help but notice here up on the news feed and the road of his command center. You check this out. Rager, shoulder looking good for week two. That's nice. I I wanted to get uh, Sean and Calm your thoughts on on this because I saw uh, Jeff Budoff had a post on road of his about Rager's shoulder. He seems sort of like reluctantly kind of bullish on the situation. Like the takeaway I took was that Rager – as a person should probably get surgery, but he obviously won't do that. And so he'll play through it and he'll probably be okay. And maybe doesn't have a huge uh, risk of like re-injuring himself, but I don't know. What w- what were your takeaways on the uh, regular shoulder? Uh, I think arc? so. And it was interesting last week that uh, when Mike Clay was on the show, he was saying that he hadn't moved Rager down that much that in some ways, if you just got him at a better ADP now with the injury, you were better off because he had a, a similar projection and was going to cost less. And so I think with some of that information there, that it both tempers maybe the excitement around Deshaun Jackson, but also keeps Rager in that range, where if you believe in his talent, then he becomes a pretty exciting stash once he drops into those double-digit rounds. Yeah, I'm excited about him there for sure. Who are we thinking about here? We are uh, next on the clock. I almost I don't, don't, don't want to say it. <laughs> I think we were looking really good here, though. There's, there's no bad options at this pick. Yeah, and it also sets up pretty well for us on the wraparound to get another guy that I think we'll all be uh, pretty excited about. Team 7, Pat, look. I, I owe an apology to Team 7, yeah. It's looking good at Team 7 there with Calvin Ridley lining up now. I don't know. The Obviously, we're waiting to see. We do want to get sniped here, but is it is it something that sounds like Mutton as a second name here for, for the guys you're targeting, or is it somebody completely different? You know, um, I still don't want to jinx it. I'm still so <laughs> I don't see this guy never normally lasting this 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 late. I feel like he's been going on like the three four turn in a lot of spots here. I'm gonna I'm gonna make chump 
run his clock down and make this pick yeah. before I say the words AJ Brown. And he took Terry McLaurin. So all right, so it's AJ Brown for me. It, it's AJ Brown for me. Sean, call him. It's call him. It sounds like you maybe had another guy. Where are you guys at? Uh, well, I, I like Sutton as well, but I'm quite happy like to take AJ Brown as well. Our draft's starting to look a l- little bit too much like the main event team, so I think I would be oh, going okay. for AJ Brown to to shake it up a bit here. <laughs> the the thing I, I've thought about that too, and it's like you know, it's because we're only playing in a couple of these leagues. I don't mind having bigger exposure, you know, versus if I was Me in and had 18 AJ Browns, but I'm, I'm okay with AJ Brown exposure here. Sean, final tiebreaker, 20 seconds. Yeah. He's the home run pick and we're going to have some pretty awesome opportunities coming back around in round five. Yeah. I think uh, who, what was your guys' main event start? Because ours was, ours was similar too. I remember looking at the board. I think our two starts were identical, except you guys had McLaurin, we had Shark, and when we were on the clock five seconds, uh, Cullum asked me to break the tide, and I went Shark there because I just think that he's someone who should be going in round three. I think he's going to have just an absolutely monster season, but with as much LaVisca Chenault as we have, that also brings in the question of you really <laughs> those guys in every single draft. Yeah, I know. That is, that is tough. Uh, it is... Uh, it's an interesting thing of thinking, you know, can they both have breakout seasons? But I think at LaVisca's ADP, it is possible for both of them to really exceed their price. I think there's a good chance that one of those two guys that like we kind of were splitting between there. I, I would like to get Sutton on the way back. I would be interested in, in him at that point. But there, there's a couple of wide receivers that should still be available. If I assume now I'm jumping to conclusions, but I assume we're looking in the wide receiver range here. Sutton has been – he's my most known player on underdog. He's – I just keep hammering Sutton. I, his, I think his ADP is absurd this year, so happy to take him if he comes back. I think DJ Chark is obviously a great pick if he comes back. And I think DK Metcalf is a pretty strong pick too. So there's a lot of options at wide receiver. See my my road of his command center based off my email, pulling in my exposures here, Cortland Sutton, 100% of any teams <laughs> I have associated with my FFPC account. So that's all you need let's see if we continue that <laughs> all right wow Levi- tyler lockett Le'Veon bell um at this point it seems pretty impossible for us to not get a wide receiver we like here it's just which one it is it was a heavy wide receiver round that last round there's i think there was only was it five picks non-wide receiver yeah three picks sorry three picks i that's early i for me seeing i haven't seen darren waller inch up that far in a while um Oh, there goes Chark. Pete, how close are we to you taking shots if AMC keeps taking wide receivers? It's 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 Tuesday <laughs> at two thirty p.m. Eastern time. I have like back to back streams after this. I mean, I am I'm drinking water. This is buttoned up, Pete. I mean, there's late night after hours, Pete, and then there's afternoon with the Rotoviz guys, Pete. I'm I'm on the straight and narrow. Today. All right, so that sounds like round nine to me. Just a heads up to AMC. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Keenan Allen does go. Um, Sean, you know, we were talking about uh, Sutton. Who else would be in the mix for you here as well? Well, I think we want to look at, at home run types of plays or just swing for the fences, you know, win the whole contest kinds of guys. And so I think Sutton is that guy, but moving beyond him, Metcalf, someone. Uh, ben had some really interesting stats for us when we were drafting our main event team in terms of Lockett versus Metcalf, but he still didn't really push me off of Metcalf as being the guy that I want there with how that could really blow up. Also think that, you know, if you're looking to win the whole thing and you think 
that there you know is any possibility that Kareem Hunt will actually end up being a top five uh, running back at the end of the season, then he's probably the only running back that I think you could possibly consider here. But uh, I, I think with the start, I mean, wide receiver would be my preference. So it sounds Sutton does fall to us. Cam Akers goes here. Uh, I don't mind continuing to shove all the chips in on Sutton here. It sounds like that was who Calm wanted in the first round or in the fourth. So getting him to fall here seems like uh, we're all on on board with that. Yep, I am anyway. Let's do it. I mean, this is uh, these are the teams we love to build. Dalvin Cook, Mark Andrews, DJ Moore, AJ Brown, Cortland Sutton. That's a start. Kevin had a question about Sutton. This is the season where uh, Sutton kind of moves into that Chris Godwin range, takes that next step. You look at how he's moving in his career, that arc there, what he did as a college player, his dominance physically, the way that offense is trending. You listen to the practice reports and his team can't cover him. I really think that the pieces that they've added are going to free him up as opposed to take volume away. Me too. I think that's the big thing. It's one providing cover for his ADP. If they didn't take those guys, he would not be falling to the 504. Um, and also, I think it's ultimately going to be a good thing for his production because teams are not just going to be able to key on him and, and take him away is the, the sole focus of their defense. So the other thing is that the practice reports say he's operating as the clear alpha. And I think in this offense, he could just have a ridiculously high market share, like a true alpha wide receiver market share as these rookies kind of come along. Uh, I think Jerry Judy's ultimately going to be a very good player, but this season, I think Sutton has the, the chance to operate as a true alpha. Yeah, I swear I've seen this exact team before. <laughs> is this a replay? The goal is for us to, because we're quad managing all these teams, we do have to split the top prize $500,000 four ways. So the goal <laughs> is to have four teams at the top, and then we can just all split those four top prizes evenly. That's that's the goal. Um. It is interesting, though, to that point of we've seen a decent amount of ADP shifts, you know, based on kind of training camp and some recent news um, in the you know mid to later rounds, some pretty big jumps. But the fact that we're getting these same guys at the same ADP, I think, honestly speaks to just the lack of information we've had this season. I feel like a lot of times these things can kind of get thrown in the uh, the washing machine, these ADPs based on some preseason games, and we just haven't had it. So it's been pretty stable uh, for these guys. And, I, I, you know, I'm continually uh, happy to, to draft, you know, guys like DJ Moore, A.J. Brown, and Cortland Sutton in these ranges. That's a great price on A.J. Brown. That You don't really see that unless the ADP shifted in the last week or so. Uh, I think we got a deal on him. Yeah. Yeah, I've normally seen him going now at like the three, four turn uh, in a lot of these. Someone in the chat was wondering if uh, Team 12 might double tap Ridley and, and A.J. Brown, a move we've done uh, as well. But getting Mike Evans at the 4-1 is is extremely nice too. Very nice. Also, this AMC team setting up a, a go for seven. They've got Julio and Ridley. Let's see what they do here, Pat. Do you think they break the trend or are they committed to the true zero RB build? I think they're committed. I don't think we go running back. At this point, they've sold me. Commit. Right? Oh, Marky. <laughs> Look at this. They're making Sean blush over there. <laughs> There's always a team that one of the co-managers wants to jump off to and, and co-manage with someone else instead. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sean, is this that team for you? Are you are you going to approach Team 7? Well, yeah, I mean, you look at the individual game upside on that one, and you could have a lot of touchdowns, a lot of <laughs> – Marquise Brown added to the other four guys. 
if Odell Beckham comes back and he's not someone I'm drafting, but if he comes back and has the kind of season that we've seen from him in the past, I mean, look at that with Michael Thomas and Julio Jones, people suggesting that. And, and again, I know people are all over and, and, and we love people drafting all formats and certainly have no problem with people drafting running backs and pushing the wide receivers down to us. But in terms of safety, right? I mean, are you going to draft a safer team than Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Calvin Ridley, and then you have that breakout performance there from Marquise Brown? That's an awfully fun team right there. And I think one of the reasons why, if you can get Michael Thomas at the seventh spot, I mean, you're, you're set up to have just a monster season. Here's a quick question for you. Uh, Sean, someone, uh, Kevin mentioned in the chat, Debo at 506, um, obviously a big rise, uh, due to the kind of bullish reports on his availability for week one. You, I know have been aggressively drafting Debo even through the injury dip. What do you think his true ADP true price should be, um, right now? And my guess is you think it's probably closer to where this guy drafted him than where he was going. Yeah, I was thinking that's a smart move. I mean, there's going to be some some risk there, and maybe it doesn't play out for you as well early in the season. But when you start with those three running backs, you want to have kind of – I think you want to take some more risk. One of the things that I see from people who draft a lot of running backs early is they tend to come back then with some of these veterans – where they're wide receiver twos, you know that they're probably going to play. They're going to have a target share that you can rely on, even though it's not that high. I, if you're going to go running back, running back, running back, get out there and take some risk. Get some wide receivers who could win you the league. I mean, you don't want to finish sixth, right? There's there's no glory for that. And so I think taking Debo there, I mean, Marquise Brown, probably the better selection, but Debo has been undervalued during this entire draft process. And, and now, not as much, because if he hadn't been hurt, then I think in that McLaurin-Brown range is where he would be considered. So you're not getting much of a discount at this point. But but he's been a player I, I have been drafting everywhere and expect to have a very good season. I would also say if, if you were ever going to endorse a, a running back times three start, this might be that start with Kamara Eckler and Jonathan Taylor. And they hit that elite tight end. So that's a... A good way to now create a team where, you know, if they wanted to take eight consecutive wide receivers, which is what I would do, I don't see that happen very often, but but they're set up to do that. Yeah, and uh, the way this board's falling with Hunt, Mostert, Swift, we'll see obviously what pans out here over the next six or seven picks, but certainly looks like a, a wide receiver we like um, is going to fall to us here in this range. Another lot of good options. I continue to like the, you know, the massive advantage you have when you get one of these first four picks, not only with getting the upside running back, but also just the way the board and the ADP has fallen. It really puts you in nice pockets of the draft where you're not having to make too many gross decisions, at least early on. Colm, I know that we have talked before about the wider or the quarterback situation and how you would really mm-hmm. like to wait because there are so many good options. We waited and took Drew Brees in our main event is there a spot here? And we don't know yet because obviously we're, we're a half round away, but we need to start preparing for round six, round seven, round eight if some of those guys fall. Is there a level where Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson become interesting here? See, I think this was around the point we started to talk about it in the main event draft. And then by the time these next kind of five or six picks happened, they were all gone. But I do think, uh, you know, in these next two picks, I would prefer to wait. But if you wanted to get somebody like Kyler Murray, I think it would make sense to you know, take it, take a chance on it here. Um, I, I personally would be waiting for that kind of range of quarterbacks that are kind of between the tenth and twelfth round. What about you guys? Are you looking at this point to to dive towards maybe a Kyler Murray if it makes it all the way back, or a Russell Wilson? Go for it, Pat. One thing I like to do 
here is there's some wide receivers that I really like in this range, and they're paired with quarterbacks who would then very likely be available in the seventh, or at least have a decent chance of being available in the seventh. There's even the possibility that we could go wide receiver and then try to pair it up in the eighth round. So um, depending on which wide receiver we go with, um, if we were to go with Diggs, for example. So I, I like taking the weapon first and then seeing uh, what makes sense. Oh, Fuller just went, so that would make me less interested in Watson. But I kind of like doing that little one uh, wide receiver one with the stack of the quarterback. Uh, we got Ryan Hodge in the chat. We are drafting out of the four slot right now. We're coming up here on our sixth round pick. One other benefit when we were talking about the elite tight end builds, not only for what it does for you structurally with your own team, but also you can sometimes see it instigate a tight end run here where we talked about Waller in the fourth, which then all of a sudden pushes up guys like Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram a little bit. And once again, kind of pushes down some players at position of interest to us. So I think that's just another kind of hidden value to getting that elite tight end early. If other teams are wanting to prioritize that as well. Um, but I don't, I don't know about you guys, but um, obviously, well, Boyd would have been a target for me here at this point. The Somebody, you mentioned there, obviously, uh, Buffalo with Diggs and Allen, possibly. Um, so Diggs Land, and Landry would probably be the other ones um, that would be there for me. The only other option, if you're looking for stacks, would probably be uh, Christian Kirk and you know pairing him up then. So wh- what's your thoughts as we get closer to this pick? Where are you looking, uh, Pete? Uh, I was going to – Dobbins, I think, was going to be a little interesting there if he fell. I know Sean's been on him. He also would be a slightly cheaper version of what we would have been hoping to accomplish with Jonathan Taylor. Um, you know, let's, I want to play a little coy here there. I like <laughs> some of those names you mentioned. I think there's one other wide receiver with a stacking option yeah. too, that is in play here that you didn't mention column, but let's see how this shakes out, uh, over these next couple picks here. Next. All right. So Tyler Higby goes Sean real quick while we wait for this guy to pick, uh, you gotta be loving the zero RB build with the Dobbins pick. Yeah, that's the perfect setup in the in the update uh, that just came out to the list, talking about Dobbins because basically the, the Jacksonville and then Tampa Bay situation had taken both Rojo and Fournette out of that top range. Dobbins had been sneaking back up into round five. Uh, you pull up the FFPC redraft tool there and just look at the last three or four days. I think to get him back here in the middle of round six, and it's just that team is falling perfectly for what they're trying to do. Definitely. Yeah. Let's see here. Um, checking out the command center. Uh, has the pick been placed yet? This person keeps, uh, he drafts Antonio Gibson. So to me, Diggs and Gallup are both really good options here. Agreed. I was going to float Gallup earlier. We hadn't mentioned him, but uh, I like both guys. Sean, yeah, Column, who do you prefer? I think I'd probably lean to Diggs, but I, I, you know, it's 50 50 really for me on either of those two guys. Well, Diggs is one of my favorite guys, and I haven't actually gotten him much in redraft. I still have plenty in Dynasty. And the other thing, I just made a bold prediction that C.D. Lamb was going to lead the Cowboys receivers in scoring this year. And so Gallup is is an excellent player. He's at a great price. He's in a team that's going to score a ton of points. I don't think he can lose with that pick. I I think that Diggs maybe is just more fun. Let's do let's do digs. It let's sounds do like digs, a yeah. consensus there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we when we have this start too with digs to get four 
kind of unquestioned number one wide receivers on their team. Uh, some big target shares, ma- massive kind of touchdown upside as well. So uh, I really like uh, Diggs as a wide receiver for. I mean, that's that's kind of absurd to me. Yeah, and I think there's a better chance, although it's low, that Gallup comes back. Did, did the uh, FFPC command center agree with that? Let's check out the probability. A 21% chance. Yeah, he had a 21% chance to come back, and Diggs had a 12% chance. So yeah. you know, low for both. But So one thing – so I know you had mentioned Landry, and Pat and I, um, we took Landry in our main event. You know, he was a guy – that we were kind of thinking of the different profiles. I know Sean's written about, you know, Boyd and Landry kind of being a cheaper version of Robert Woods. You know, I definitely find myself gravitate. Like if I had a DK Metcalf and a Cortland Sutton, where I feel like the floor could fall out from underneath a couple of guys, I definitely like the idea of Landry and Boyd to bake in that target upside. But I feel like with these picks, we've kind of been able to have our cake and eat it too as far as high target shares and, you know, really upside explosive profiles as well to where I'm comfortable passing on Landry when you're able to get guys like Diggs. No, I would, I would agree with that. I think the four guys we've got in particular, like uh, you were talking about Sutton and the target share he might get, like they are clearly um, and by a long distance, the wide receiver ones in those offenses. So I think they should all have, you know, a, a minimum 20% target share in those offenses. And, uh, I think, like you're saying, that there that bakes and kind of the upside and the the floor to it. So, I still wouldn't be against taking Landry here when it comes back in. Um, we'll see what happens. I know you, you don't want to talk too much about it, but the player that you mentioned in that selection with Diggs uh, might be might be the one I would go for. Yeah, we'll. Uh, I think we we'll definitely have some options here, Sean. How do you feel about the Antonio Gibson uh, rise? He's obviously shot up draft boards over the past week. I always try to be careful on the price on players who maybe have a little bit of a, a questionable background in terms of overall production and length of time that they've developed that production. We look at some of these running backs who are coming out in this class who just have been really top players for such a long time against such elite competition that when we're talking about how they're going to transition to the NFL, there's always a difficulty, right? There's always a hurdle. We saw that with the class a couple of years ago that Rojo belongs to where some of those guys just didn't make the jump that we were expecting, but, but you can feel comfortable with that. I think Gibson is one of these guys and you listen to the talk coming out of Washington. You listen to what Adrian Peterson said about him uh, when he was released and why that happened in the, at the, in the second half of round six, I think that option there and what you're looking at in terms of risk reward makes it a lot more comfortable. So Gallup does go one pick before us. We are on the clock here. Um, It definitely seems like uh, based on ADP and it seems like you guys are um, high on Landry. Pat, is there anyone else you would toss into the conversation? Kyler Murray. I was going to mention that. One of our sharpest guys, John Lipinski, our My Guys column came out recently. He has Christian Kirk. Kirk is always just ridiculously cheap. You know, do we want to try and go Murray and then get Kirk coming back around as opposed to paying for a different receiver here? Yeah, that would be the goal for me is that I think we have a realistic shot at getting Kirk on the way back. And sure, going Murray, he's the type of guy we could go naked if we need to. We have to stack him uh, with the rushing. Colm, can we get you to break your uh, your late round QB for Murray? Yeah, well, I've made the pick already, so it's. Yeah. 
but uh i know i was i'll be honest i was tempted um when we were talking about the pick in the sixth round i didn't think murray would have got to where we got digs um so i was kind of dampering my expectations so when he did make it back there i thought it was a really smart one uh to go with him so if you can get if you can get murray like even if you can get well russell wilson you know i would have been interested in that as well but if you miss out on those guys um i think then i, I would be waiting but uh, i'm pretty happy to get Kyler there yeah, this range is interesting because you'll see stuff like Dak Prescott in the mid-fifth, like we have in this draft. We got him uh, in our main event at the, the 6-12. So you can you see a pretty big range for uh, these quarterbacks. And someone's going to get a really nice deal on Russell Wilson in this draft. So I think uh, planning to take one of these quarterbacks in this range but being flexible in who it is is something that we've uh, – maybe like two-thirds of our team has a quarterback in roughly this range. I'm going to run in my fridge and get a salad that I had made to eat at some point today. So don't worry. I will, I will mute myself on mic when I'm chewing. Um, but I just want to just full disclosure, let everyone know what's going on right now. Okay. <laughs> no, we're all right with this. I'll be right back. We're good with it. Um, it's just going to, it'll make us hungry. <laughs> we'll be hungry now watching the meeting. <laughs> Sean, this, this team seven, which is a true zero running back team, gets the high upside running back. If you were building this team, who would you be looking to select here? It would be a little bit early, but it keeps creeping up. This is the spot where you might be nervous since you had those five wide receivers already. You might be nervous you're not going to get Moss. I think that even though Montgomery also looks to still be available here, I just think that even though one is entering the second year, you can make that big jump. One is entering his first year, and the season is going to be difficult for rookies. I think Moss is better. I think the Bills' offense is going to score more points. They're going to deliver him to the goal line more often. And then that injury with Montgomery, he just would have to slide a lot farther yet for me. Me too. I have really no interest in Montgomery. What do you guys think of when teams, the early double tap at tight end, like the the Ertz-Hawkinson or even more so the Waller-Higby one, fourth and sixth round, obviously you're thinking of that guy as a flex uh, I always think those are are interesting uh, builds if, if you can hit on it, but you're also passing up on some really exciting wide receivers. Yeah, Higby is a very polarizing guy. So I think he's someone that I've been drafting in best ball, Pete, because I know I can't get you on him on these FFPC teams. Um, but I know a lot of sharp people are off him. So I, I would also be curious about these specific two tight ends. Because Waller is another polarizing guy where his target share, uh, his moat for targets is, is pretty thin. Well, there's somebody I had been off until really the last couple of weeks and selected him super early in this going deep draft that is both, you know, a start like 13 players and tight end premium super flex actually started two QB two tight end in that and then drafted a ton of wide receivers after that. I think the developments with Bowden not being there with the rookies really looking like they're going to be the guy at wide receiver. I think the Waller situation could be very similar to the Cortland Sutton situation where it actually frees him up to have a second massive season. Interesting. And, wh- and where are you at on Higby? I, I don't think he's draftable at his ADP. I, he could have a very good season. I'm not down on him as a player. I'm not, uh, and I'm in no way saying that people who draft him are going to lose there. But just in terms of price relative to what the target situation could be, Gerald Everett, a guy, one of the things that I like to do, and it certainly doesn't always work out. We're not saying that by any stretch, but when there are teams that I think are going to score a lot of points and there are players where I like the talent situation for a variety of players on the team, I'm always kind of looking to see 
how inexpensively can I get exposure to that team? Even if I end up losing because the guy who goes first was the guy who turned out to be the league winner, you know, Julio Jones over a Calvin Ridley, a situation like that. I still prefer to have the second guy just because that frees me up for some other early round picks that if you take the guy, you know, if you take Julio, you know, if you take Higby, then you can't draft the other players you would have there. So you're sort of willing to lose on that uh, just to try and create the exposure in a different way. I think as well with Higby, like the prob- there, there's quite a few different mouths, you know, to feed in that Rams offense. Um, and even with Everett being the secondary tight end in that offense, whereas if you look at Waller, it's particularly there, as you mentioned, with the uh, the injury to, to Williams, I think it frees up a lot of opportunity for him. I think he was going to get a, a lot of targets anyway, but like you could make the case now that he's the number one target in that offense as a whole. So he could, you know, start to put up wide receiver targets as the, the season goes along. So I think his value has has increased a lot over the last two weeks. What I think is interesting about Higby is that you see a pretty big price differential between him in tight end premium and traditional just PPR leagues. And in these FFPC leagues, he's been very expensive typically and someone that's been hard. Like I don't even have a strong case to get feet on him because he just goes too high. But in a lot of these um, like – the, in underdog and, and DraftKings best ball drafts, you'll see him fall pretty late at times. And he's sometimes going after guys like Hawkinson um, to where I think Higby ends up being a pretty big value given the upside that he flashed last season. So I think he's someone to keep in mind format with uh, and is always trying to be price sensitive. Um, I apologize, guys. Uh, salad talk has overtaken the chat. Um, Ryan's <laughs> I'm eating a salad. What kind of salad? It's just a chicken uh, salad on some mixed greens, a little balsamic vinaigrette dressing. It is a big salad. When I eat by myself, I just eat right out of the mixing bowl. Don't even bother with any kind of uh, more official presentation. And yes, I had to get a big salad. So now that we've cleared the decks on salad talk, back to your regularly scheduled draft programming. (laughs) You're not going to throw it to anyone or anything? You're just going to go back to yourself? Sean, <laughs> what, what is your favorite salad to make on a nice yeah, summer day? Well, I, that salad looks very good there. I did go through a stretch uh, a couple of months ago where it was salad for dinner for two months, and that really took things in the right direction. And then the last couple of weeks, last night I had brownie with frosting that I had made across the top of that because the brownie itself wasn't enough. So I've kind of move back in the direction of, of double dessert as opposed to the, the salad. <laughs> well, I remember maybe it was a couple of years ago. You, I remember you saying that one of your routines was you would watch back all the game film while on the elliptical to kind of make up for the Sunday binge eating. Is that still part of the routine? It is. Uh, the current situation makes it a little bit difficult to get the internet all the way to where the treadmill is. So it kind of bounces back and forth. My, my dream scenario would be to be walking on the treadmill, watching the uh, 30 minute game playbacks while having a massive bowl of, of ice cream. So if I could do those three things simultaneously, that would be my preference. Look at team seven here. I swear this draft is a love letter to Sean. It really is. Grabs Philip Lindsay there in the eighth, the, the kind of perfect zero RB compliment to Dobbins with those wide receivers there. Um, I will like, I, I have said before, like we all talk about zero RB and then you watch and like no one actually does it other than, you know, Rotoviz and, and ship chasing and drafts. But here we go. Whoever AMC is here with just a classic true zero RB draft. I really like it. 
And they're two guys that I know Sean will be delighted to have both of them. If Lindsay was actually somebody I was going to take up as somebody maybe to target here if it got back back to us. But uh, really nice team lining up there so far for seven. Yeah, very nice team. And I like the Deontay Johnson pick. I think uh, he's someone that I struggle taking over guys like C.D. Lamb in that range. Um, back when Rager was fully healthy, I, I preferred him. But I, at the same time, Johnson, I think, is is someone that could have a massive season and not someone to be underexposed to either. So I kind of, even though he's not always my preference, I force myself to take him in this range often. Sean sounds smart as fuck talking about anything intellectual brownie prospect. <laughs> there you go, Sean. You made you made brownies uh, talk like strategy, food strategy. Um, Russell Wilson goes. All right, who did Chump take? Gesecki. So Kirk's the smash, oh, yeah. right? It's a smash. Uh, it's I think unless Sean changes his mind here, but I don't think there's any. What do you think, Sean? No, I mean there. There's actually kind of an interesting tight end if if you felt like Kirk would continue to fall, which I mean. People just don't draft Kirk, but uh, yeah. I, in terms of what we have, Fant, is, it? Kirk is, is the perfect fit. Yeah, I say we I think Fanan has a better chance to fall than Kirk. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, when I mentioned Lindsay earlier, it was between I was they were the two players I had in mind. There was Kirk and uh, Lindsay, so I think that's it's it's there's a lot of similarity still continuing through this team from <laughs> from the other drafts, but uh, it's looking pretty good. Yeah, I love how late Kirk goes. It's it really opens up so many things where you can let Kyler fall to you around seven, and then just be, okay, I'll stack him with with the guy who could explode this year as uh, one of the better prospects that people. I think you know if Kirk was a first round pick, he looks like a better prospect than DJ Moore by a lot of the things that we look at. And you have to take into consideration that he has struggled to stay healthy, and that it could potentially be something that is a problem going forward. At the same time. If he hadn't struggled with those injuries, we'd be talking about him as a fifth-round pick. And so you're getting such a discount on what his actual NFL production has been going into his third season. The other nice thing, you know, we we're talking about with DJ Chark situation, talking about it with Kirk of, you know, when you pass on Hopkins and Chark, it's kind of a nice tiebreaker knowing there's other pieces of those offense that you're really excited about. Whereas, you know, if you pass on AJ Brown, you know, there, there's no one else in that offense that you're you're excited to draft later to get exposure to. So it's kind of a nice um, hedge uh, there and a good tiebreaker in, in some of those decision points. I think really nice value on on Deshaun Watson. Yeah, uh, getting them in the late eighth. That's real nice. Yep, this is a uh, football guys championship. Like we mentioned earlier, it does seem like it's close to selling out. Calm, calm was worried if this thing was going to fill this afternoon, and I was like, "Don't worry, that people are so going to get in there. Everyone wants to draft right now." There was a lot of discussion back and forth, and my final email, I think, said never, never doubt over Zet. So he, Peter had full confidence this was filling. You can doubt me about a lot of things, but I have been through this cycle of panicking about drafts filling. Like I was messaging Eric Balkman from the FFPC about some of our drafts because you know you want to do these streams you announce it you don't want to reschedule and and the what i've learned is just relax they will fill <laughs> they will definitely <laughs> fill and i think we're they're down to there's only like there's i think we're nearly down to the the, the double digits of uh, spaces left so if anyone is interested in jumping in i think you need to act fast it's true it's true um it's one of your last chances to uh, draft the same team over and over like us and split five hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just draft the same guy, switch out the running back, and then just draft everyone the same. <laughs> I will say, 
I've drafted Christian Kirk a lot this season, and it never gets old. I enjoy it every time. It never time. gets old. Uh, All right, so we, we've been sniped on Noah Fant. Uh, I'm not saying we have to do it, but just so you know, oh, this boy. is when I would take Ronald Jones. Boston Scott's off the board. Uh, Philip Lindsay's off the board. Uh, on Johnson just got uh, further diminished by this Adrian Peterson signing. Sean, so, let's hear let's hear your thoughts on what's available. Well, I, I was really hoping Fant would come back to us there because then we would have multiple potential big time tight ends. Uh, yeah, I mean Ronald Jones, someone I don't have much of in redraft. Still have a ton of of dynasty ownership there. Are there any wide receivers that we need to take here? We're obviously getting to where we're, we're fairly well set, and we do have some late round targets. Is we've had the tight end run? Any other tight ends beyond Fant? The, the, the last, yeah, I think Chris Herndon is a really has a very high ceiling. Um, he could just he was awesome as a rookie last year was an absolute disaster, but he's had a very strong camp. They're starting Chris Hogan on the outside there in New York. Uh-oh. I think he could be a nice pick here. Did 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 you give Pat the controls to the wheel column? Because I just looked and just saw Ronald Jones so. on our team. What happened? That what? <laughs> <laughs> we got down to the uh, we got down to inside ten seconds left, and we started so- the tight end. Talk, so. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know it. Ten <laughs> I will say. So the way the queue works is you can use the full amount because it will just auto draft the guy at the top of the queue if you let it run all the way down. So we do have a little extra time. Column, the true truther. I had uh, I had nobody else left in the queue. I had, I had nobody else left in the queue. To be honest, I was uh, I think it like I'd be I'm pretty happy to take him there. It's like you know it's basically a, a four round drop based on the news over the last week, and you know Leonard Fournette is is not a good player. So I like there's a chance that it's going to be you know a messed up season for him, but. If we get in like Sean was earlier to week four, week five, and and he's leading the way for the Bucks, I, I won't be at all surprised. So, Colin, I think you like Sean- another team, just the two of us later on. Just let me know. Just let me yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> my my sense is that when this Ronald Jones news happened, and when you decided to add a few more drafts, that what you were hoping for was was to get more Ronald Jones with Pat here. That's not what he was hoping for at all. <laughs> he, he argues with me about how he's a 12th round value. Pat treats Ronald Jones like I do Bitcoin, where I just buy a little bit each week, regardless of what the price is. You know, sometimes I'm buying the hit, I'm going up, I just keep buying, I just keep buying, I keep buying. Yeah, that's true. I'm dollar cost averaging, Rojo. <laughs> I, uh, I, Fant was the player I was hoping to, to get there, but when he was gone, I think it, like, I think it makes sense at that point based on what's left on this round unless we went wide receiver again who did you guys do in your main did you guys get another tight end there before round 10 like we did with hawkinson only one tight end drafted (laughs) which we went with mark andrews and i stuck with mark andrews yeah the um it is nice to to take a shot on those guys when they fall to a to a nice pocket hawkinson has definitely moved up i mean pat we took hawkinson and what he was the ninth or tenth Eighth round. Eighth round. Okay. So luxury pick in the eighth. But he was a I think a, an absolute steal in the eighth. And you know, the early second is probably where he should go. Uh in, in this tight end premium format. So I'd probably take Gallup over him, but um but that's right around where I think he's a value. I would bet all of my Bitcoin that AMC is a Rotoviz subscriber. 
I was going to say that earlier. I think he, I think he has to be, um, or else he's a rights for rights for the site. They're the, they're the two yeah. options. <laughs> is Blair is Blair in here under a pseudonym or something? Actually, there's way like, too many running not, backs for Blair. Yeah, it's not I Blair. <laughs> I think I might actually like their team more than our team at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Wow, here we go. Everybody's jumping shit. You're the one who selected Rojo Cop. <laughs> yeah, I know. come on, dude. That was a I little re- early for Rojo. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, did you and Blair have any? Uh, what was like your biggest uh, disagreement in your guys's main event? We didn't really have any disagreements, and that may have been the problem. We should have taken J.K. Dobbins <laughs> in the sixth round, um, and we should have taken Carry On Johnson. That would have given us a little bit more protection against having. Bryce Love is someone who factors so fully into our our season long strategy at this point. <laughs> but the uh, no, it was it was a blast drafting with Blair. He uh, it, anybody doesn't know writes the wrong read column. Absolutely fantastic. He really is the foundation of so much of what we do. And and drafting with him, yeah, we we ended up with a lot of great wide receivers, big time tight. Well, we actually did one of the things that was the most fun about that draft is that we were not able to hit. We had the 12th pick. Kittle did not come back to us, which we felt was a mini disaster to start there because then you you really are not having anything that you want since you know that Andrews and Ertz are not going to come back to you in round three. We took Hawkinson and Fant together in the in the area here where they're going, and having those two guys at the turn at very good prices allowed us to have a situation where, best-case scenario, we might have two big tight ends, big time tight ends scoring for us. But I really like the fact that when you have both of them, then I think that your chances of getting a guy who next year ends up being drafted in that third, fourth round range is very high. If you only have one of them, then you're perhaps leaving your team pretty empty. You've got to use some more ammunition on tight end at some different places. I I like having the potential league winners. I I think one of those two guys is going to make the jump. Someone asked about Janu, and I just want to mention that I had an article come out yesterday on tight ends and I knew Herndon was going to pop in it because I had already written that part of it, but I was looking at uh, Janu over the weekend and over once Delaney Walker was no longer uh, playing, he was operating like a true kind of tight end one that we, that we want to looking at the stat targets for route run. He really popped in that. And the thing that I think is especially interesting about Janu is that that was true of the playoffs as well, where you saw AJ Brown drop off substantially in the amount they were going to him in that playoff run, but Janu did not. And so I think he's been kind of the last guy in this sort of the trendy sleeper tight end tier. And if he were to come back, I actually do think he's interesting. And after that, it gets pretty ugly at tight end. Uh, to the point, although Blake Jarwin is is someone that's somewhat interesting as well, but I, I don't know if you guys are on him as much. So if we are going to go with another tight end and Johnny Smith just went, so never mind, uh, he would have probably been the, the last guy. We had this discussion a little bit when we drafted the zero running back team out of the 12 spot a couple of weeks ago. How comfortable are you guys with going with only the single tight end and having that as another roster spot for running backs as we load up in the double digit. I'm I'm very comfortable with it. You know, the way Pat and I have framed it when we did say draft Hawkinson with Andrews is thinking of Andrews as a another wide receiver, essentially. And Hawkinson is the guy that you're starting at tight end. So if we are hammering wide receivers and and we pass on that second tight end, 
you know, we're making a bet on Andrews, uh, obviously, to to be the guy there. And in those true zero RB builds, you, you want as many shots at those running backs as well. So I think how it opens you up for roster flexibility is really nice. And, you know, you guys have shown, too, with the, the best ball win rates that that elite tight end does that as well because it allows you to focus on other positions and it might be one of the last kind of few things in fantasy that's still a little underappreciated with what it can do for your constructions and you can play waiver wire tight end in these leagues we've done it it's it's something that you can piece it together if andrews gets dinked up or uh, i think he's very unlikely not to be productive but you know let's say in worst case scenario he just busts I, i think we can figure out tight end of the waiver wire so i think that's a good uh good tactic to use we're going to leave it there for this episode um obviously make sure you're following peter on twitter at peter Overzet, pat on twitter at pat korean check out all the great work they're doing as i mentioned that is the first part of the draft we will be doing the second part on the podcast dropping tomorrow so make sure you come back enjoy that one make sure you subscribe to the road of his overtime feed get all those podcasts once they go up once they go live uh, looking forward to bringing you that end season content and remember, you can get yourself that 10% discount as well. Once again, that is rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on that 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And of course, make sure you're checking Sean's great work up on the website as it comes out uh, on a very frequent basis throughout the season. But the, the content throughout this offseason from Sean and from the Rotoviz team has been phenomenal uh, great content as always be sure to check that out so until we're back with the next episode which will be dropping tomorrow uh, of course have a good one thank you for listening to overtime on rotavis radio please rate and review the rotavis radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotavisradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotavis radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotavis with a discount through the rotavis radio homepage rotavis.com forward slash podcast The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still bet on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head on over to Bet Online, take advantage of their great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE when signing up at betonline.ag to get your welcome bonus that's blue wire all one word bet online your online sportsbook experts